With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody? Finally, welcome back to another episode of Turn of the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zantz, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. Russo, it's been almost a month since we've done a show together. How's everything? It feels good to be back. You did a great job on my behalf while I was away. It feels good, man. It's good to be back. You're a, you're a world traveler. It's like uh, Marissa Tomei from My Cousin Vinny. I love that. But uh, yeah, man, you're all over the place. But I'm glad we were just talking before the show. I'm glad you and Chelsea had, uh, it sounds like a great time in Italy. Um, but glad to have you back, man. Let's get into it. Let's talk Jets. We got a couple of quick hitters here. But yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'll I'll kick it off with a funny story about uh, while I was there, because it does have to do with the Jets. So one day we were in the city in Amalfi. And we're waiting in line to get back to our, our Airbnb on a bus that was taking us from town to town. And I'm wearing my Jets hat. And this one guy comes up to me and starts asking me, like, you know, is this going to, you know, to this town? I was like, yeah, yeah. We get on the bus. He was a super nice guy. And then all of a sudden he just goes, he's like, you're a Jets fan, man. And it comes, it comes to focus that he's actually a Packers fan. So he's like completely salty about how you know we have Rogers, and he obviously enjoyed having him, and it's it's kind of a weird situation for him. But it was just funny because like it felt like the whole discourse between Jets Twitter and uh, Packers Twitter that's been going on, you know, basically since all the Rogers stuff happened a few months ago. But it was just funny. It ended up being a good conversation. We talked football for a little bit, but it's just funny. You never know where you could be, where you can run into some Jets and Packers discourse. <laughs> I know that is funny. And of all the places, I mean, it's, uh, it's crazy, but I'm glad that he, at least it sounds like appreciates the fact that he had what 30 years of good QB play and is, you know, somewhat sad to see Rogers go. And now on the jets, I mean, you can have your thoughts one way or another, but uh, that's what I, I just, you know, it, it gets me when Packers fans are like good riddance, Aaron, you know, get out of here. We'll move on. Like you guys feels like you have no idea how the, uh, how the other side feels right now. A hundred percent. But like, I think Packers fans, like they're, you know, they appreciate the memories, but they also kind of want to see what they have in Jordan Love. So sure, I get it. Sure. Um, but it was also funny. I saw some cool, uh, you know, throwback jerseys on Neil Donnell in a thrift shop in, no I think way. it was in Milan. I know it was so random like that. And I also saw Sanchez and I was like, wow, this just gives me nostalgia. And I know <laughs> you and I were talking before the show, we're going to do a little 2009 nostalgia at the end of the show, but uh Let's kick it to, you know, our Lord and Savior, Aaron Rodgers, who is a confirmed Swifty going both nights at MetLife Stadium. Um, it was really funny to see. And I, I know that he was on with Adam Shine before the concert was saying that he was a big fan. But like, I don't think anybody realized how truly big of a fan of Taylor Swift he was when, until you saw those videos. I also just love when he was saying Jets are Jets win the Super Bowl. Like ugh, this guy is like he's having the ultimate honeymoon phase. And I, I I love every second of it. I'm so excited for the season. Like, what what are your thoughts just in general about how it's been since Rogers got here between going to the concert, going to all the New York sports events, going to Wicked last night with the quarterback room outside of Zach and also Azama? It's just it's been like everything we could have hoped for and more, you know? Yeah. I, I... So what I would say is he's really doing a great job of endearing himself to the entire fan base. Like he's doing yes. all the right things. And he, 
the other part of it is that it really seems genuine and he really seems to be enjoying himself. And you, you can see that it's like a breath of fresh air for him and that he's really genuinely happy to be here. So going to all the Knicks games, the Ranger games, going to the T-Swift concert both nights, you know, the, the confetti flying and the Jets win the Super Bowl. Like, it's awesome to see. And every Jets fan is just eating this up like crazy. I know I am. But the really cool part of it is he just really does. It, it feels like this is the place that he truly wants to be. This was the one place that he selected that he wanted to go um, that wasn't Green Bay and that wasn't retirement. And he's doing all the right things now. And then that kind of leads into like not even the, you know, forget about the off the field stuff. Like he's here. He's at OTAs. He's helping install a new offense. Like he's part of everything here. He's, you know, every player is like, there's just a difference. There's a difference in the meeting rooms. There's a difference in the film rooms. There's a difference on the field. It's this young nucleus of this, this great young talent. And he's really like taking them all under his wing. So everything that he's done. And, you know, when I did the solo show, it just, it feels like the Jets and Aaron Rodgers have done everything right since that trade took place. And since he's come to New York and they're really, neither one of them are really missing a beat. And it's just really good to see uh, this organization kind of have that momentum flowing into uh, to mini camp, you know, training camp, and then eventually the season. Yeah. And I, I think he feels really re- re-energized. And he's, I remember he said that, like when he was on McAfee, that he feels like ready to go and everything. He did his workouts. He's like, I'm feeling great. I'm ready to, you know, to do this. And you could see it. I just feel like he's always smiling. He's like, he's, he's like, just embracing this entire moment and this new life of his. And like, it's a really cool thing for him. He grew up, he was living in one of the smallest, you know, professional sports cities in the country. It's a lot different when you're living in Greenway, Wisconsin, compared to like the tri-state area. And it's like, there's so much more for him to do. And it's like, I, I think he didn't even like realize that there was, he could have done all this, all this time in the area, because it sounded like really prior to coming to the Jets, he had been to New York a handful of times, but he didn't know much about it. And like, he's mm-hmm. just like, the world is his oyster and it's, it's just, it's awesome. And I, I just feel like he's as excited as all of us are, like you said. Um, I know we got hurt in the, the first week of OTAs. I, I think it's just much to do about nothing. And it's, you know, early. And I, I think there's nothing anybody needs to worry about it. I'm like, why are we even getting like, you know, like reports on it? Like he clearly just probably pulled something, you know, it's, you're not doing like a real practice. You're not in that grind. I, I, yeah. I was just confused why it was even like a story. It's not like, you know, it was like a knee injury or anything. It was just like a cap. And like, he's 39 years old. He's probably going to cramp up a little bit in comparison to (laughs) a guy like Garrett Wilson, who's like springy and 22 years old. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's, it it was a calf strain. It's just all this attention and, and, you know, all this media coverage and the jets at OTAs and, you know, Aaron Rodgers seems to really be in pain here. We don't know what's happening. You know, same with Alan Lazard. And it turns out he got hit in the nuts. It's like, let's just, <laughs> let's, let's pump the brakes. All right. Like, I guess, you know, you just have to take the good with the bad. And I think every uh, media member is looking for a story and they, they love that same old Jets narrative. So of course, you know, wouldn't it be a, an amazing headline to write, you know, I, but there's, I don't want to go too far because I do believe like, the media, they want to cover a good team. Things are better when you're covering a good team. When everyone feels good, when the fan base feels good, there's more clicks, there's more articles, uh, you know, read, like all that stuff. So they're not really like yearning for that same old Jets narrative, but it is, it's got to be kind of, you know, fun for them to write if Aaron Rodgers goes down with a leg or whatever in OTAs. Like, yeah, but either way, like you said, dude, it's much, much ado about nothing. Like, let's move on. He's fine. Lazard is fine. Let's just get us to September, man. That's all I care about. <laughs> Yeah, totally agree. Um, and I just, 
I hope he doesn't play in the preseason. I feel like there's no reason to even try him out there. Let Zach get all the reps he wants. Let Kim Boyle get some reps. We get Straveler in there. He was like the, the preseason goat last year. Um, I hope they obviously hold him out until the game week one, which I feel like is probably going to be the case. Maybe he gets one yeah. series in the tune-up game, just like, you know, just get his feet wet. Yep. But yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm so excited. But uh, let's actually shift to Brace Hall because it's, it's a guy that was so, you know, awesome as a rookie until he went down, unfortunately, in that Denver game. And he had that amazing touchdown run earlier in the game. Um, it seems like he's, you know, on a terrific pace. And I know people always forget that not only was it a torn ACL, it's also a torn meniscus. We had to get the meniscus fixed before he could have the ACL construction surgery. So it took him a month later to actually get his ACL surgery. So everyone was kind of, you know, weary to expect him to be ready for week one, but the way Salah spoke about him the other day at his presser, it sounds like there's a good chance he's playing week one, maybe not like at full strength and not like his normal workload that he was getting, you know, once he really hit his stride before going down. But like the fact that we're probably going to see him and he apparently looks faster than he did last year. Like it's a whole other thing that like this, the dynamic of this offense between having, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback and now you're having this young, this, potential superstar rookie not rookie second year running back I feel like he is a rookie because he hasn't even played a full season yet but like how excited are you about Brees I am ecstatic to see what he could do in year two yeah I mean you hold out hope because in reality you have to check yourself and you just mentioned it like Adrian Peterson kind of ruined this recovery time he did he really did every player um, but anybody that has ever, you know, uh, discussed, looked at, whatever, had any sense in football injuries will tell you, like, this is really, it's going to be a year before he's fully back to, you know, to what he's, to what you're used to, to what he's used to. Mm-hmm. However, like this news that I want to say Rosala said he hit 22 miles an hour, like all this stuff that makes you feel like maybe, you know, we were kind of expecting, maybe it's like, you know, early, mid-October, November before he kind of hits his stride. Well, maybe that timetable gets pushed up a little bit. And maybe he returns to, you know, 85, 90% to form a little bit earlier on. And how much does that change this offense and what it really could look like? I mean, I think we're all excited for what Izzy Abanacanda can do. I think we're excited to see what Michael Carter can do if he can have a bounce back year, or if he's like the guy that's kind of on the outside looking in what this running back room will look like. Like, do they go out and maybe look for a veteran? Do they sign a Kareem Hunt? Do they go after a Leonard Fournette? Maybe a more, you know, a more sure-handed thing. Um, but either way, if Brees is, you know, closer to that 100% healthy earlier on, it changes the dynamics of this offense completely, especially in the early stages. Because one of those things, like, th- we have to remember, this is, it's a familiar offense, obviously, for Rodgers, right? But it's a new offense for everybody else. It's an Minus Lazard. Minus Lazard, correct. It's a young team, right? So there's going to be growing pains and having a sound running game, I think, to rely on in that early in the early stages of the season, I think will only benefit this team. And you can kind of, you know, go back to Aaron Rodgers last year. Like, yeah, he played with a thumb injury. But the other part of this was he played. First of all, you take his number one and, and, you know, really a top three receiver in the league, right? If not top receiver overall Mm -hmm. on Devontae Adams, you take him away. And he's working with all these younger guys that he hasn't worked with. Well, it took them a while to hit their stride. But if you look at what Rodgers did over the course of the first four to the next four to the next four, then to the last five, like Green Bay's offense and points per game just kept increasing. So that'll build. So if you get a guy like Brees to be back closer to 100% earlier on, that's only going to expedite that process. So it could mean so much for this team, so much for this offense to have him ready to go really like 10, 15 touches week one, week two, that 
ramps up as you get into late September, early October. I mean, that's a game changer. Yeah. And I mean, I, like you said, I think they're definitely going to bring in some sort of veteran between Han Fournette, maybe even seek. I don't know. Um, the one thing that you mentioned about Carter, that he could be the odd man looking out on here. I think the fact that they got rid of Ty Johnson, which is still, you know, weird because he actually has been pretty productive as a jet, you know, since they, he came here three years ago. I feel like because they made that move, I feel like Carter's safe to stay on the roster for now. I mean, unless Izzy is just completely outplaying him. I think, I think Bam Knight solidified. He deserves a shot on this team, especially taking some of the bulk work if, if uh, Brees isn't ready. But I do think Ty Johnson being let go is, is a sign for Michael Carter that he probably will be here. But at the end of the day, you don't really know because running backs, you know, if the offensive line is good, any running back can look, you know, good behind a, a strong offensive line. We've seen it time and time again, which is why you're seeing the position being devalued in the draft. You're seeing guys in free agency not getting the money that they're looking to see. Like, think about like a guy like Saquon Barkley. Like, he can't even get a long term deal from the Giants, and he was awesome last year. And he's, you know, shown a lot of promise since he came to the league. It's, you know, outside of his injuries, but. I think it's always good to have running back depth. So if they add another body, I'm excited about that, especially a guy like Kareem Hunt because he's such he's so good as a pass catcher. And, mm-hmm. you know, you want Rodgers to have all these different weapons at his disposal. So um, I just, I'm super excited. I, I am too. I just – I wonder how many they're going to carry and how that looks on, you know, come game day when they're dressing 45. Like that – that or 46. But, like, it, it's really top three, right? You're going to say if Brees is healthy, obviously he's out there. You're going to – get you know give the rookie a bandicanda a shot and bam knight really like you said proved himself the end of last season so is michael that's that's a fascinating question and then if they sign a veteran and bring him in like how does that look so it's you know i think i like michael carter i think he can have a bounce back year um injury kind of contributed to you know a, yeah. a down second year um but it's it could be a crowded room so that's all i'm saying is just you know you got to watch out and i'm not sure how it's going to uh to play out the key is for running backs you know you have to be able to block and pass protection and that's how you're going to get on the field. So if one guy is showing more, you know, promise as a blocker, that's the guy who's going to dress on game day. So if he's not willing to put in that work, cause it's never really been his strong suit, then he's going to lose time to a guy like Izzy and a guy like Bam. Cause I feel like those guys probably have a, a stronger skill set in that department. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, we're talking about, you know, four running backs right now. It's good to have that. Um, yes. The Jets also made some moves. They signed uh, a bunch of offensive linemen really since the last time we spoke. Billy Turner, Yanni Kajus, who used to play for the Patriots. I love it because the offensive line has just been such a problem for the Jets dating back five plus years. And it's always good to have depth in that area. And if it was like when we had, um, what's it, the guy from uh, who went to the Ravens? I can't remember his name. Who used to be a Washington. Morgan Moses. Morgan Moses being able to fill in when back then went down. Like that was huge. I mean, I'm not expecting these guys to be high-end starters but you know we have a 38 year old tackle in Dwayne Brown we have a guy who hasn't played more than one game in the last two years and he's going on year four I mean he he looks great but you gotta stay on the field and I know Connor and Joe were talking about the odds of him being on the team I mean I think he's gonna be on the team as provided he stays healthy but like mm-hmm. I, I'm not banking on him for 17 if you play 17 yeah. games that's that's amazing but like yeah. if you get 10 out of him that'd be amazing too so I just think it's good that they are taking this approach head on. And I know that we were concerned about the tackle depth going into camp last year, and it came back to bite them really, really hard as the season went on. So I'm super excited because, you know, you're one injury away from having a guy like Billy Turner playing. So what do you think about what they've, how they've addressed the room? And obviously with um, Carter Warren as well. 
I think I like the strategy to just keep adding bodies and depth. Cause I think I've been, I haven't been shy about saying it and acknowledging that Robert Sala said it. It was clear that they placed a large part of the blame on the tailspin at the end of 2022 on the injuries to the offensive line and really the failure failure of that unit to be able to overcome that and, and how much it struggled down the stretch. Um, and that was, that's, that was clearly a problem. So I like the fact that there's adding bodies and I, you know, Billy Turner, I mean, he started a lot of games last year for, for Denver, if I'm not mistaken. So he's got starting experience. You got Max Mitchell now who had starting experience. You got Carter Warren who has plenty of starting experience in college, right? You bring Makai Becton back and whatever you get out of him is like hitting the lottery. So I feel pretty good about their offensive line. I don't think it's going to wow anybody, but can it be, uh, you know, middle, you know, top 15 uh, unit? You know, absolutely. Yes. Especially if they stay healthy. So that to me is really the biggest key to success for this season. Obviously if they can block for the run, because the jets have, if, if Brees Hall is truly healthy, they have a scary running back group, which, which really could be good. And you have a 39-year-old franchise quarterback that, listen, is no spring chicken, but can move within the pocket, but obviously can't move like you could, you know, nine, 10 years ago. So protecting him is going to be key. So when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. If this unit can take a step up from what it was last year, maybe Lakin Tomlinson plays a little bit better, plays kind of to that Pro Bowl level. I think he will. Used to I in, expect that. In San Francisco, maybe Tittman comes in and starts. That's another big thing. Like whether McGovern or Tittman starts, you have a solid backup in that place. You get AVT back, who was in all pro form before he got hurt against Denver last year. So this you know, glass half empty, glass half full. If you look at it, the glass half full side, this could be a really good unit. You look glass half empty. It's like, man, there's, there's injury question marks kind of across the the board here. So I just, I do like that they are self-aware enough to make the moves to reflect that, to say, listen, we need some depth. We need bodies. They get Yanni Kajust in here. They get uh, Billy Turner. Um, did, am I missing? And they sign, didn't they just sign another guy as well uh, before Kajust from uh, New England? I thought they brought another guy. If not, I'm mistaken. No. But either way, at the very least, we're not like a one injury away from Connor McDermott starting again in oh my the left tackle spot. <laughs> so you just overall, you feel better about that. Max Mitchell has some starting experience. Like everybody's got starting experience, so you feel good about how this could play out for them. A hundred percent. I know we're doing a shorter show, so I definitely want to do a couple quick hitters. Um, I thought the Bakai Beckton article that he put out to Glover was a silly idea for him. I really yes. think that. He's not in a position to be, you know, kind of trashing the organization. I, 
I understand that maybe he doesn't agree with their sentiment if he should be playing on the right side and he's a left tackle, but like you haven't played in two years. So you're no one's really going to take your side on this. I mean, I'm definitely pro player them trying to get as much money as possible, but like it's one thing to say this after you have a bounce back season and you ended up maybe winning the left tackle job, but to say before you've accomplished anything outside of playing one game in two years and having a decent rookie season, I mean, one that we thought maybe was franchise left tackle, but he did miss a couple games there. Like, I just don't understand what you're accomplishing because you want the fans to be on your side. And it's really hard for them to take your, your stance on this when you're not playing. I mean, availability is one of the best things that a player can bring to the table. I mean, Obviously, you have to be productive if you're available, but he hasn't played in two years, essentially. So it's I, I just it didn't really sit well with me. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but what were your thoughts about it? And just quickly, I totally agree with you. I think the guy's played. He's played two quarters in two years. And honestly, like just recognize the timing like you have everybody behind you. Like there's not there's not a Jets fan out there that doesn't want this guy to be a franchise right tackle or yeah. left tackle. And like his his weight loss and his comeback story right now, everybody's behind it. The guy looks fantastic. Like we're all commending him on what a great job that he's done. So everybody's behind you. So it was just terrible timing for you to now. Turn Vibes are good. We didn't need it. And, and yeah, and put that article out there. And the, the second thing that I'll say, and then we can go to the next topic is, you know what? Credit to Salah. Like don't even give it time. You want the left tackle spot? Go in it. Like it's going to be open. Go in it. I mean, Everyone going into 2021, we were sitting there going, um, you know, you had George Fant, Mekhi Becton, and Morgan Moses. You know, no one was expecting Morgan Moses to be the backup there, right? But based on play, that's how it worked out. So credit to Salah. You want the left tackle spot? Go win it, dude. That's it. It's there for you. It's that talk. Don't, don't talk about <laughs> it. Go do it. And yeah. I like the fact that Salah just said that. Yeah, I think it was perfect. Perfect way to approach it. And I feel like he's yeah. he's done a good job of putting those fires that have, you know, come come his way since he became the head coach two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, one quick one, and then we'll talk about some 2009 Jets. Um, yes. I'm sure you heard because it was on Badlands, but I figured we could touch on it as well. The Roto-Pat GM rankings had Joe Douglas at 15th, which I think is a pretty fair ranking. I think it's actually more generous, believe it or not, considering what the win-loss record is since he came here. What <laughs> Do you agree with it? Do you think it's right? Because I, I think he's between like, you know, 10 and 20, I would yeah. say probably 12 and 20. Honestly, I think he's probably closer to 20, maybe like 17, 18. Yep. But I, I I feel like anyone saying that it's too low and he should be higher. I feel like that's a little crazy considering they haven't had any records since he's been here. And there's been a lot of misses specifically with Zach and potentially with Makai. So what are your thoughts on him being ranked 15? I, I think it's right where he should be. I think middle of the pack and, and, you know, mediocre is, is right where you would grade him in every aspect, like amongst the other GMs in the NFL. And really from a, a Jets perspective, like the wins and losses, they're like, they are what they are. He hasn't had a winning season yet. Um, yet last year was a good year. I think you have to give credit where it's due. Like this was a mess to clean up when he got here and he's done a commendable job doing that. But you look at the free agent classes, you look at the trades, you look at the draft classes, there's been good and bad. And so it's right where it should be, right in the middle. Like there's been positives and negatives uh, kind of across the board since he's come on. You know, for every 2022 draft class, there was a 2020. And for every, you know, Aaron Rodgers move, there's a, you know, who was the the, the uh, center that he signed uh, in 2019? There's a flop. You know what I mean? Like oh, that's um, just kind of. Ryan Khalil? 
<laughs> yes, thank you. Like that's that's just kind of how it's played out. And listen, you know, you, you swing and sometimes you you hit a single, sometimes you strike out, sometimes you hit a grand slam. Like that's how it goes. So I think 15, yeah, I'd put him in the neighborhood of, you know, 12 to 18 right in there. So 15 is fair. And I think it's still um the grade for him is still an incomplete. This season is going to dictate a lot of that, but you can't say one way or another that he's a great GM or a terrible GM. I think he's right where he is. Yeah, no, it's like I a mean, non-answer answer. I'm sorry, but it, I, I know. think that I think the way Joe Carr talked about it, how, you know, you hear people on one end of the spectrum saying he's really good. And then you've got people who are saying he's not so good. And usually the truth does lie in the middle, because right if you can't agree on it, usually it's probably there's there's reasons to believe both sides. My biggest issue with him is when he got here, the offensive line was terrible. And it's can you can make an argument. It's not much better since he got here. So yeah. I, I think AVT is really the only piece that you feel 100% confident about that he brought in. I mean, you're hoping Joe Tippman becomes that other piece that, you know, is a long-term building block on the line. But Beckton's a huge miss as of now. He could prove us wrong, and I hope that he yeah. does. I'm rooting for him. I mean, he's on the team. I want him to be, succeed. I have nothing against him. I just didn't like that article. But, you know, Lakin could be on the wrong side of 30 at this point. You, you want to hope that he's better than he was. But, you know, there's still – you know, plenty of questions that need to be answered. So the hope is, is that, you know, we're not having this conversation about him anymore and he gets his extension because that means the Jets did something of substance this year. Yes. Uh, but I guess I think 15 is totally fair. I think that's probably where he belongs, but you can make arguments that it should be lower based on the win-loss record and some of the whiffs. But overall, I thought it was good. And I think that the description was, you know, pretty strong as well, talking about obviously the hits that he had, but also the huge misses because, that's what it is. It's been very high variance. Yeah. Um, so we're going to wrap it with some 2009 Jets talk. I think, honestly, 2009, 2010 are obviously my two favorite years because I wasn't paying attention as closely in 2002. I wish I did because I don't got to talk. I know. That's yeah. like when Pennington really burst onto the scene. I know he was drafted in 2000, but uh, it was, 2000- I, I know. I, I want it real quick on that. Like, go for 2002, it. 2002, right? Like this unbelievably exciting like opening win against Buffalo Chad Morton two kick returns like the Jets win in overtime for the next four weeks I can't even begin to describe uh, next three weeks I should say I can't even begin to describe how utterly inept the offense was like they couldn't move the ball at all I mean there's plenty of teams that were like that but this was this was like this was next level bad they couldn't move it Vinny for some reason, like just couldn't get it going. And it wasn't until Vinny gets hurt in a game against like Jacksonville, I think they still only score three points, but Pennington comes in and actually moves the ball. And that's what changes everything. And then the rest of the year was, it was so much fun. So anyway, sorry, 2009, (laughs) we'll go ahead. 2009 was such a feel good year for the Jets because 2008 was was such a sour note. And I, I mean, you had the emergence of Darrell Reeves becoming the all, all world hall of fame player that, you know, he ended up becoming in that season. I know he was obviously emerging the prior two years, but that, you know, having so many fun players on the team, the defense was dominant. Rex really just coming into his own with his bravado and a lot of highs and lows because Sanchez had some really strong moments, but then he had moments that you'd scratch your head, like that Buffalo game when he had like five interceptions. And I believe the punter threw a sixth interception, which that game they could have won a hundred times. And it was just like, that was the epitome of same old jets. Yeah. What was, and what was Thomas Jones ran for like 300 yards in that game and they still <laughs> lost because Sanchez threw five picks. Yeah. It was insane. It, it really was. I love TJ former guest of the show, but uh, what was your favorite moment of 2009? Cause there's so many good ones. And there's, there's a lot of good ones. I mean, it's, you know, and people really like, it's tough to remember, like that team was four and six. 
Like they yep. they started out three and all, and then go one one in their next seven to get the four and six before going on a little run and sneaking in the back door of the playoffs. But I'd say um, uh, you, it's really hard. I, I think <laughs> I got a feeling I know where you're going. Um, so I'll go just that that's week two New England game. Revis getting the pick on Brady them holding New England nine points and getting the W and that stadium rocking the way it was with the white out and the white towels. Like it let, it kind of let you know that Rex was here, that this team was here, that they were for real. Like that was really, I'd say for 2009, that was a, my favorite part of the regular season. Definitely. Um, the, the Revis pick on Vincent Jackson in the playoffs on San Diego was, was unbelievable. And that, like, I could go all day on this. And then, <laughs> I mean, I really, I honestly, I truly believe that they had it in that first half against Indy. I remember, like, uh, I want to say Jim Nance was on the call. They opened up saying that Peyton Manning pretty much, like, never gets sacked. David Harris bursts through the middle, sacks him on the first drive. The Jets are up 17-6. Like, and then that pass goes just over Drew Coleman's fingertips, and the rest is history. But, yeah, those are – so there's a couple things in there. But I'd say it really beat New England week two. kind of, like, let you know, like, okay, Rex is for real here. Yeah, that was my. I was at that game. That's my favorite game I've ever been to. It was the really? most loudest stadium's ever been. So yeah, that. But I also want to talk about Week 17 that went in your end. That's like, that's where that, I thought you were going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like think about that. There was so much on the line. You know, you got the gift from Jim Caldwell when they rested all the starters in Indianapolis. Yeah. But like that was the one time that I can remember as a Jets fan where I felt so confident that the Jets were going to win the game, and they actually backed it up and then some. I remember. Carson Palmer started like one for 10 in the game and then they pulled him and it just was domination from start to finish. Yeah. So to me, like that was just an awesome feeling. It was also the last game they played in the old stadium, which is kind of cool to think about. Unfortunately, we haven't had the same memories in the new stadium <laughs> other than 2010 and I, know I guess parts of 2015. But yeah, man, that was just such a fun year because that was, you know, I was, I was about, I was finishing high school. It was my senior year of high school. And it was like, Finally, like seeing good Jets football and like actually going on a playoff run, it was a sour note. Obviously, losing to Indianapolis, but like I didn't yeah. think in the in my the bottom of my heart that you, they could beat Peyton Manning. Yeah, you kind of the felt, next year. You felt like they were playing with house money a little bit in that playoffs, but once they beat, like you had a good feeling they were going to beat Cincinnati because they beat them so handily the week before. But then yeah. once they beat, wasn't worried about like, that. San Diego was a good team that year and they go into San Diego. They won 10 in a row prior to that. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, like this could be real. And they get up in the first half against Indy and you're like, oh my God, like we could actually do this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then obviously the wind gets taken out of your sails. There's so many like cool moments. I mean, you remember they played, uh, they played Buffalo in Toronto on a Thursday. Yeah, that was weird. There, (laughs) that was weird. Like, but, but Revis shut down to yell. Braylon Edwards took a bomb off his face mask. You remember that? Like mm-hmm. wide open deep takes one off the face. Like I remember them beating Carolina and uh Revis had a pick off of Steve Smith's foot that he returned for a touchdown. Like it was just that that season was uh was so good. Um you think about what they overcame too. Like Leon Washington was was a absolute monster in the first part of that season, breaks his leg. And then Sean Green just Sean picks Green it up. Fills in nicely. Chris Jenkins was a monster. He's done for the season, but Sione Puha comes in. Mm-hmm. He's a, a beast in there like this this team was just it was fun it was good that was a fun ride in 09 honestly dude Sione Puha is one of those Jets that like the real ones know he was yeah. so underrated and underappreciated yes. him and and Mike DeVito they were awesome yeah. like not guys that were like you know these big time household names but they were just good players and contributed uh-huh. so many ways and 
which is awesome guys to have on that team. And I think it, it, it just shows that they had so much depth on that team, which is why they went on that run. So what's awesome, uh, like what's really cool and it doesn't get said enough is like, we all talk about the run from Kevin White and Nick Mangold and how blessed we were at center for what the better part of 17, 18 years, right? 98 to 2016. Yeah. But really the jets up the middle. Like when you think about that, like the Chris Jenkins, the Sunni Pua, Jason Ferguson before that, yep. uh, um, Damon Harrison's, like they were good. They had good defensive tackle, run stuffing, big defensive tackles in there, and they were kind of blessed for a, for a good portion of that time too. Agreed. I, I yeah, it's just uh, it's unfortunate that it's never been the quarterback that's been the position. We well, oh, it's sort of been a lot different. Yeah. If that Center and D tackle. Yeah. Interior D lineman. That's exactly where you want to be blessed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one last thing, we're just doing a little fun prediction. Uh, obviously, Quinn Williams contract st- stuff is still unsolved. He's not at OTAs. It sounded like Salah feels good that he's going to be here. I know the post said that they're not that far apart um, in terms of negotiations. So I'm going to ask you, what's the date that you think the contract is done if it gets done? And what's the, what do you think the contract's for? And what do you think the guarantees are? And if you want me to go first, I'll, I'll say it. No, I mean, um, I'm not, I'm typically not good with this contract stuff, but I'll say the date is what today's June 1st. Give it two weeks. I'll say June 15th. It's done right by then. I'll say the the money is four for just over a hundred um, guarantees. You know, he probably gets just North of what Dexter Lawrence or whoever the next highest paid guy. So what would they get like 60 guaranteed? Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. So he probably gets, you know, another couple of mil guaranteed over that. Like that's just, it's going to shake out. Like what I said in the opening about Aaron Rodgers and the jets and this franchise and kind of everything going their way, Joe Douglas cannot allow this to be a distraction and to be, to let that take this momentum away from him and the team and what they got going. They, they have to realize that Quinn Williams is the best player on this defense um, was the best player on the team last year. Just get it done, put it to bed, don't haggle over a couple million. Let's get them into training camp and be done with it. June yeah, 15th, I think four for 105, 62 guaranteed. I think like July 15th, like right before they open camp, it's going to get done. I think he's going to have yeah, five years, like 105. I think he gets like 70 guaranteed. I think he's going to get like a crazy guarantee that maybe like resets the market, but um, I he'll be here. I'm not worried about that. And the Jets know they have to pay him. He's, yeah. You can make the argument he's one of he's their best player right now mm-hmm. outside of like Rogers or even Saucer Garrett, like yeah. one of their four best players. And you know, he's a homegrown talent that they drafted. It's like you gotta That's take care of your own. Like I they haven't been able to be? do that. Like you you can't finally get one and let it go like this. Yeah, and you're you're gonna you have to show guys like Garrett and Sauce that you're willing to pay those, pay them. And this is the first step of doing that. But I, I don't think it's gonna be an issue, and I'm so excited to have him here. I don't think he's going to miss the beat. I think he's going to get better because he's first hitting his prime right now. Agreed. So any closing thoughts as we recap a little, you know, slow part of the off season episode. It's it's good to be back with you, man. It's uh, it was good. I'm glad you had fun in Italy, but I'm, I'm glad you're back. And uh, yeah, we'll start revving up as uh, training camp approaches. I'm excited to hear when those training camp dates are, are, I want to get my family down there for at least a day or yes. two. Definitely. Um, scoping out maybe some games to at least one game to go to. So I want to, I got my eyes set on that, uh, that black Friday Miami game, but I don't know, man, that's, uh, <laughs> that's gotta be, that's, that's, that's really cool. That's all. It's also cool that Woody, um, you know, wants that to be like kind of a staple game for the jets. I would, that would that. be cool. That yeah, would because be really cool. It's for someone like you who doesn't live that close to the stadium. You yeah. can always make plans like that. Yeah. Um, 
I really want to go to the Kansas City game. Um, my family wants to go to the Buffalo game, but I'd rather go on Sunday Night Football than Monday. But yeah. we'll see. I'm, I'm probably going to go to like three or four games this year because yeah, you yeah, know, the to. expectations are high. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm so excited for the season, man. Uh, a friendly reminder, everybody, please subscribe to this channel uh, on YouTube, on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you can search Toyota the Jets Live or TOJ Live, and you should be able to find it. You'll see our logo. And for YouTube, it's youtube.com slash turn the Jets TV. Um, and the other reminder is make sure you subscribe to the TOJ feed with Will. He's been doing a great job. I know he just had Bob Glover on. Great episode. I was able to tune in earlier today. And last but certainly not least, make sure you become a Badland subscriber. I feel like this is the time to do it. This is the biggest year the Jets are, ex- you know, from an expectation standpoint, they've had in probably a decade. So I know Connor, Joe, Dan, everybody who's contributing is going to put together some great content. I'm sure the season preview guide is going to be amazing. I'm sure Russo and I will put some predictions in there, you know, for the season. But yeah, there's so much going on. I think the the new stuff that Joe's been doing with the morning coffee has been awesome. I love the war room breakdown. I thought the, the Joe Tipman uh, film breakdown was awesome. I can't wait to see what else is in store. And there'll be more written content from Russo and I as we get closer to the season. We'll be doing some random episodes, you know, as things happen. Like if a quitting contract uh, news breaks, we'll definitely do a quick uh, reaction to that. I'm sure we'll be doing just random ones for nostalgia because it is a down period, but we want to give you some Jets fix because it's about to be a slow time because baseball is going to be the only thing going on once the NBA finals are over. So appreciate everybody tuning in and we'll talk to you guys soon.